Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Endurance Horse Podcast. Today was a gorgeous day, the kind where the blue sky is a backdrop for large and dramatic white clouds. Thank you for all the wonderful audios that you've sent in. I'd like to give you a reminder, if you listen on iTunes and love the podcast, please head on over on iTunes and give us a good rating. So far, we have a five-star rating, which is the highest one. Also, share the podcast with a friend um, because it's helping us to grow. On Podbean, we have over 7,400 downloads. Occasionally, I get a wonderful surprise. Somebody reaches out to me and tells me that the podcast is important to them. And this time, it was a fellow Wisconsin rider named Missy. She hasn't started an endurance yet, but she's definitely looking into it. She shared with me that... Like most of us, horses are her go-to escape. They're her happy place. Missy said that she knew she needed a discipline that had concrete goals, goals that were measurable and required her to get saddle time. That way, she knew she would make it a priority. So you guessed it, she found our sport. Welcome, Missy. Earlier this week, I loaded Grace in the horse trailer and I hauled her over to the equine hospital for an exam. I will catch you up with how that went at the end of the podcast and share a little bit about our update with Grace. Suffice it to say for now that what Jim told me was right, so for the details you'll just have to catch me at the end. That's enough from me for now, so let's jump into episode 18. Hi everyone. This is Adriana Sardoni from Marvel Endurance in Queensland, Australia. I'm creating this audio to tell you about my first 50-mile ride or, um, as we call it in Australia, my first 80-kilometre ride. So I want to take you back to uh, the 30th of May 2015. That's the day I did my first 80-kilometre. It's also the day I well and truly fell in love with uh, the horse that I'm still very much in love with, called Willowvale Sarah. To give you a bit of a background about how I got to doing my first 80 kilometer with Ra, as some of you may know from my previous podcast submissions, I moved to Harvey Bay early in 2015 for my work, where I was really lucky to meet Victoria and join her Marvel Endurance team. My goal for that year was to do my first 80 kilometer ride. Um, The previous year, I'd done a 20 kilometre, a 50 kilometre and two 40 kilometres. So if I was able to get just one 80 kilometre that year, that would be my goal achieved. Victoria was really set on helping me achieve this goal. She herself didn't have an appropriate horse for me to do an 80 kilometre on at the time. So she put a call out on Facebook and a lovely lady called Yvonne who had... um, loaned Victoria and another of her horses earlier that year, responded and told her that I could take her horse Willowvale Sarah to attempt my first 80 kilometres. 
Victoria kindly drove. Um, it was probably about an hour and a half to two hours to Yvonne's place to pick him up a week before the ride. She test rode him for me, made sure he was good to go. And then um, the Tuesday before the ride, I jumped on him and did four kilometres. Then we took him to an 80 kilometre on the Saturday. Um, the date was the 30th of May and the ride was in a place called Black Bart. It was a really great ride base um, and a beautiful track through lovely forestry. Uh, the ride base had lots of hot showers. I have a particularly memorable shower from the end of the 80-kilometre ride. So um, the actual ride day, I turned up on the Saturday morning. Victoria had gone on, headed down on the Friday afternoon with the horses, so they were nice and settled there. It was an afternoon ride, so we rode into the night. I rode with Victoria. She was on a horse called Milton. And we had a really good time. Uh, we learned a lot about each other throughout that ride. And I certainly learned a lot about myself and a lot about how much more fitness I needed to gain if I wanted to do more of these rides of such a distance. Sarah was awesome. And I just fell in love with him here. He did not shy at a single thing that whole 80Ks. He just kept going. He had been retired um, for about two years, actually not quite two years. It was two years since he'd done his last successful 80-kilometre um, ride. He had attempted a few others but um, had vetted out of those and he had successfully done some 40-kilometre rides. So Yvonne had said he was retired from an injury but take him, see how you go and we'll take it from there. Between um, the – it was a two 40K legs. Um, between the legs, I was helping carry a bucket of molasses water, which got spilt all down my leg. So I rode leg two in odd socks. My ankles felt like they were going to snap at any moment and Victoria and I bonded over my terrible singing – as we cantered through the Blackbutt Forestry singing Hey Soul Sister to get away from the approaching headlights behind us because we didn't want them to know who the crazy ladies singing at the top of their lungs were. Our time was 7 hours and 53 minutes. Um, I believe we came in just before midnight. We then went on to, um, sorry, Yvonne then let me take Sarah to a few more rides thank you to the help of Victoria and we went on to achieve 100% completion that season uh, with the total endurance distance of 320 kilometers it was awesome it was a great start to what was going to be an awesome year and certainly uh, an awesome endurance career that I'm still well and truly enjoying when I finished that ride, the satisfaction of sitting in my tent, I still remember eating my two-minute noodles and having a Snickers bar for dessert on my own. So damn proud of the horse, of my friend Victoria and of myself for getting through this point. And it was certainly the beginning of something very special. Hi. 
Hi, my name is Jane Ferguson and I am a rider from New Zealand. I have been asked by my friend Daryl Owen to put a story in of my first 100 miler experience which took place just over a week ago at the New Zealand National Championships. Um, I have one main horse, his name is Denny, he's 16. I bought him as an eight-year-old eight years ago when he'd done nothing and we've had a wonderful time for eight years just progressing our way slowly through the grades. So I've always been a mid-backpacker um, and never ever thought I would ever do 100 miles but over the years as we sort of trundled along I started to think hey maybe this might actually be possible. We've done three 75 mile rides, got to the end of all of them. I vetted out in one of them when I got heat stroke close to the line and was just sick as a dog and needed him just to carry me home, which he did very heroically. So uh, two years ago, I started thinking, hey, let's maybe have a go at 100 miles. And this last season in particular, I decided to train quite hard for it. We've had the most amazing season. He's done super well at every ride. Every ride has been treated as training and conditioning and so I haven't raced any of them um, but have ridden very carefully with my ultimate goal in mind which was a completion in 100 miles. So we entered, we headed out to Taupo which is in the central plateau of New Zealand. It's a ride that's fairly at altitude, it's very hard ground, a lot of hard pumice and although it's not the most difficult ride we have in New Zealand, it certainly has to be respected and it does take a lot of horses out, usually a lot of lameness vet outs just with the hard ground and the concussion. So I had Denny packed and padded with his feet um, and he was as well prepared as he could be. I had also done a lot more physical uh, training myself to try and get my fitness up and to try and mentally be um, better prepared for it as well. So we got there, I'd been electrolyting him all week in advance just to try and make sure he was as, as hydrated as he could be because that's his biggest issue is that he's not a good drinker and I've spent a lot of time over the years standing at water troughs pleading with him to drink and he's just said yeah nah um, but he usually grazes well so I think well if he doesn't drink as long as he's picking up grass that just helps with that um, gut hydration and gut sounds and anyway but he had been drinking well in the lead up this ride and eating very well so I was feeling quite confident we start our rides in New Zealand at 1am so this meant I was going to have two loops, two night loops which would be a first for me and a bit of a step into the unknown but he's always really good at night, he's always very calm um, and he likes to tickle along at the front usually of the following bunch and this is what happened. We warmed up, the front runners got the starter's gun and headed off into the night and Denny just tucked in at the front of the leading pack and just maintained a steady pace and headed out. There were five cattle underpasses on this first loop which was 40 k's or 25 miles. These were all compulsory dismounts because they're very low which I was a bit nervous about because I have arthritis in my right hip and it doesn't take too kindly to lots of getting on and off so I was a little bit worried about how I would cope and I did pull a muscle in my thigh quite early in the loop but I was able to massage it out and keep on going. 
the loop rode really well. He was still sort of leading the following pack when we crossed the line, which was just over three hours, which was faster than I was expecting. He pulsed down very quickly. We lost a bit of time because the heart rate monitor wasn't working and the stethoscope wasn't working. So we were about a four and a half minute lag um, with a CRI of 56.52. So we, we could have actually gone in faster. But for me, the day was about getting to the end of the ride and not about fast lags. He was pretty unsettled in the hold. Uh, he wasn't really eating and drinking, which I was a little bit worried about. Um, it's not necessarily uncommon for him to be a little bit worked up that first sort of hot night hold, but I would have liked him to have a bit more in his gut, given how uh, how much distance we still had to go. So I headed to the start line. I buddied up with another rider. He was three minutes behind me into the vet ring, but I waited for him at the start line because I knew our, our geldings went well together. So we headed off and we caught, it up, caught up with another rider on her gelding and we rode the rest of this loop together, which again was 40 kilometres or 25 miles. Um, we got sort of a, a beautiful sunrise late in the loop. We had the sun coming up on our right with this amazing red sky and a moon going down on our left and it really was just a wow moment and reminded me about why we actually do this sport. Amazing country, good people and horses that will just do anything for us. So for some reason I found this loop really hard. Although it was early in the ride, that sort of six miles at the start of the loop was probably the lowest point of the entire ride for me, physically and mentally. I was feeling sore. I sort of got cramp at one point and had to ride through it. I was feeling a bit nauseous and tired. The muscle I'd pulled was sore and I just couldn't quite understand why I was finding it so hard. I think it was probably because two night loops meant it was just a lot of relentless trotting. I usually like to do a bit more canter work just to mix up the muscle groups and, and stretch different sort of, um, as I said, different muscle groups. And it was just endless trot, trot, trot. And so it was it was pretty hard going. He also wasn't drinking, which was a worry, um, given that we hadn't even gone halfway. But he did well, came in again just over three hours for the loop. Um, again, a, re a really good lag this time and an excellent CRI of 52.54, which I was absolutely over the moon with. But the hold was tough because he just would not eat. He's, normally he eats quite well by now and certainly if he won't eat his hard feed he'll get into the grass but he was turning up his nose at his feed, his, his carrots, his beet, his baleage, hay, grass, everything and I was getting a bit concerned. I also thought he just had a bit of a inwards look in his eye and I was just starting to think oh should I maybe request a vet recheck before we go out um, but I had a very experienced strapper helping me out who's who's traveled internationally and strapped at an elite top level and he was very reassuring he checked him out put the stethoscope on his guts was was gurgling away his heart rate was 40 so we thought yep no he's, he's good to go but that if he didn't drink this loop then I was going to pull him after the third loop um, again waited for my friend at the start line who was a bit behind me and we headed out and then his horse as we just got going picked up a head, a head nod and trot 
So he had to turn around and go back to base, which was a bit of a worry for me because Denny's pretty hard work on his own. He can be quite lazy and unmotivated if he's on his own. Um, he comes from a line of endurance horses that are known for being a little bit lazy. So I thought, right, come on, we can do this. You know, you're, you're doing well. So I gave him a kick and we just had a bit of a canter just to sort of shake up both our mental games. Um, and I knew there was a really big hill climb early in the loop with good troughs on it. And I was pretty confident that that would get him drinking. Sure enough, we, we climbed up to the top of the hill, took our time going up, had several stops to graze on the way, and when we got to the top, he just dived into the trough, submarined up the water, and just had the biggest drink of his life, which was enormously encouraging for me. So I was feeling pretty determined, um, so I said, right, come on, buddy, let's go, and off we went. So I just kept him going, encouraging him, telling him he was brave, but also, come on, boy, you know, we've got a long way to go. We trotted and cantered and I knew there were a lot of riders behind me and that somebody would catch me up eventually and give them, give them a bit more motivation again, which thankfully they did. So the rest of the loop went really well and crossed the line after the third loop, a good time. He, again, a fantastic vetting, all A's, all 1's, an excellent CRI, 56.48. So by this stage we'd gone 100 Ks, which was about 62 miles, and he was looking really good. Some reason I started finding it, I won't say easier as the ride went on, but I think psychologically once I was over that halfway point, um, mentally I was over the hump, um, I was taking a lot more care of myself, I was hydrating, I was having these energy gels, as well as trying to eat in the hold, just to make sure that I could do him justice at the end of the day. So we had to head out on the fourth loop on our own, um, I went out pretty fast, because I, the riders that I thought were behind me were ahead of me because times were adjusted to account for um, a fall on track on the second loop and riders that had waited with the, with the downed rider. So that meant I didn't want to be on my own with sort of 60Ks still to go. And so I we went pretty fast for a few Ks and then we were able to catch up to the riders ahead. However, the pace was, once we'd caught up, I, I was just a bit uncomfortable. The pace felt a bit quick for my liking, given how far we still had to go. And But thankfully, we caught up to another rider, and we caught each other eye, and we just silently agreed, yeah, it was a bit quick for us, and we were just able to pull our boys back and um, just ease off a wee bit to come in after the fourth loop. Um, the early pace in that loop did show in his next vetting. Um, it was his worst vetting of the day. Uh, my strappers hadn't had the loudspeaker call with my number so they weren't waiting ready for me and that meant I had to trot them up myself and my arthritis was was a bit sore by then so I hobbled up the vet ring did not do him justice at all so he got a B for gait and a B for impulsion and his metabolics were down um, so I was a little bit worried but he finally started eating and drinking in the hold um, and by the time he had to represent at the end of the slope, which was a compulsory represent, everything had returned to normal parameters. He was all A's and 1's, which was just awesome. By this stage, this was as, as far as we'd ever gone before. We were just past the 75 mile point. I only had two loops to go, but they were short loops. They were 18 kilometres each, which is probably about 11, 11 to 12 miles. And it was easier country. There was still a lot of hard palmist track on this loop and we were worried about concussion on the horse's legs 
and our core stomach muscles were also finding the downhill trots quite painful by now and so we agreed we were just going to really nurse them around we would move along where we could and there was some lovely country out the back with some lovely open grassy paddocks where we could just sort of let them move along but that we were going to walk every bit of downhill every downhill slope and just take a lot of care of them and care of ourselves so we, which is what we did we got to the end of the fifth loop Again, amazing vetting. I'm sounding like a stuck record by now, but he just was fantastic. And then we were heading out on our last loop. By now, my adrenaline had really kicked in. I'd had some pain relief in the hold just to try and ease up that um, injured muscle pain from my strain in the second loop, first loop. He was getting a little bit tired, but nothing like what I thought. He was still so generous and so willing, and every time I said, hey, let's go, he just responded instantly. And Ruth, my riding partner, and I were getting a lot of encouragement from riding together. She was in a quite a bit of pain with some physical issues, so I was trying to do my best to distract her from that pain. It was a first-time buckle attempt for both of both us and our horses, and we were just so close. So we turned for home, we just took it easy, we stopped at troughs, we stopped for grass, but we didn't want to hang around too long because the day was, was getting on, um, the sun was starting to drop and it was just starting to chill off a bit. So we just came in home into home base, we'd already agreed the order we were going to cross the line and that we were going to walk in. We wanted to bring the horses in slowly, get their heart rates dropping naturally so that we wouldn't have to do much strapping at the end or use much water given it was starting to get a bit cold. Um, Ruth's horse Dusty had also done more work in front than my boy Denny and so we'd agreed that she would cross the line ahead of me and that would mean she would be third and I would be fourth which was just amazing. There were 16 horses had started in the senior 100 miles and the track had caused a lot of carnage. A lot of riders had vetted out. Some were lame, some were sort of metabolic. There was a, a few tying up issues, which was such a shame because everybody was riding very carefully. Nobody was going silly, but it was just one of those tracks and one of those days. So we got across the line. I was just so proud of him. Jumped off. We took it easy into the vet ring. We had a seven minute lag, which we didn't need that long, but I just didn't want any risk of heart rate spiking. So the stethoscope went on. It was 52. I was pretty, pretty happy about that. Um, my friend's dad trotted him up and trotted him back. He just looked amazing. Then he had all A's, all ones. He just had a two for capillary refill because that was just a sign that he hadn't been drinking as much as I would have liked throughout the day. But it was just the most amazing feeling. I was just so proud of him. I'm still so proud of him. It was my first buckle. And I never really thought that would ever happen. And I just want to encourage everybody out there that's thinking, hey, that's an impossible dream. It's not. I'm the last person in the world that you would ever think could actually do a buckle. But I'd worked hard. I'd prepared. I'd trained my horse. And I'd been mentally strong. And it was just incredible. So our final ride time was 12 hours and 42 minutes. That doesn't include holds. So you add sort of three and a half hours onto that, whatever that works out to. I should have done the maths, 16 and a half hours or 17 hours or something. But it was a good hour faster than what my goal time had been. So I was really happy. Um, once we'd finished, he had a bit of a graze, and then I took him back to his paddock and back to his yard. He was dragging me around the grounds, looking for grass and looking for his butt. He just looked incredible. 
the next day we had a buckle presentation and we got awarded our buckle and it was the most amazing feeling so <coughs> I would love to sing what next season brings I, I hope that won't be our only buckle uh, I'd like to think we get more he's, he's 16 now but he's been very well looked after and he's just the kindest horse he's had juniors ride him and maybe maybe next season he might actually bring along a junior for her first buckle um but thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed it sorry it's probably a bit long but happy trails Hey everybody, this is Keisha Wood and I'm giving you guys an update on Merlin. My last podcast covered us going night riding at Fort Stanton and um, you know my goal for that is definitely to one day be able to do the Tevis Cup or any sort of 100 mile ride where I have to ride in the dark. And um, But today I wanted to let you guys know that I'm giving this podcast on my way to the vet. So everybody here's all these wonderful great stories and these success stories but in reality we also have super bummer stories as well and um, I'm praying that it's not a, a bad appointment but Sunday I went to go do my training ride and where I live I live right by a train so um, the trains are not anything new to Merlin or my other horses and the trains here and where I live in Tularosa New Mexico they go fast so whenever they come through they're gone as soon as they hit us but they also feel like an earthquake while they're there so I love living by them because of the desensitizing it does to the horses well one of the places I go riding out in um, BLM it's about I want to say about five miles away for me to get there I ride the dirt road next to the railroad track most of it's open, so I can get pl far away if I want to, but um, the hard thing about the railroad here or the trains, they come up on you so fast, you don't even necessarily know they're there until you turn around. So I'm always constantly trying to keep an eye out, you know, behind me. This Sunday, I was riding with Merlin, and I saw a train coming, and I haven't quite made it to an open area. I knew we would be fine. I um, had taken my dog with me. His name is Legion. And um, he's a little lab and he can stick with us and do about 20 miles or so. And um, he's a good bud to take with us. And I always feel secure, you know, with my horse and my dog because I'm out riding in the desert by myself, of course. Well, this time I plan to just go do a 14 mile ride. And um, about half, I want to say only three miles out. It was awesome. We were having a great ride. I saw the train coming. I wasn't to a spot where I could um, be far away enough that I wanted to be. Well, stupid move. I was worried about Legion and I was thinking, gosh, what if he got scared by the train and he tried to run off? Well, I keep an extra lead rope on my saddle and I do that for a leash if I need to hook Legion. And one thing I did a long time ago is I got rid of all lead ropes except for cotton so that way I could cut them quickly if I needed to so I didn't have anything else and then a friend of mine left one of their lead ropes at my house the other day and it was nylon I guess the kind that's like almost like a plasticky fill and it's knitted together super tight and it's long so you can also lead it use it for like a lunge and I used that on my saddle just in case I needed to hook legion up for some reason well 
this time the train's coming. I'm thinking, okay, well, Legion will stay right here by me. Everything will be good. And I clipped him to that rope that was on the saddle. And I thought when I did it, I just felt a little thing in my belly. And so I guess that's when they say, listen to your gut. And the train came, we were good. Then all of a sudden, Legion freaks out. And he starts pulling back and pulling back and he pulled back enough. The rope slipped because it's slippery and then it pulled out enough. He took off running behind Merlin. The rope goes behind Merlin. Merlin thinks the dog's chasing him and the rope's on him. The train's blasting. And so he's running, he's trying to kick at Legion. I'm thinking he's gonna kill Legion now. And um, Legion finally breaks the rope loose and he runs for his life down the dirt road, down the train track. And I don't know if I'm going to catch him. I'm hollering at him. Then, oh, oh, and all this madness. I, I jumped off just by the way. I'm not on anymore. But Merlin then is in an all out panic attack. So I have him and he's like spinning and this earthquake train's happening. And somehow we maneuver where we are next to the pavement. And these trains that usually last five seconds seem to last five hours. And Merlin falls down on the pavement then not only does he fall down he tries to get back up he slips keeps can't get grip with his feet and he falls back down so he gets up and his nose is busted he's got a a road rash all the way down his leg he skinned his um hawk down to the bone and he's got a big chunk right out of his fetlock well he was holding his leg up i thought his leg was broken and I don't have anybody to get me home or go get my horse trailer. So I sit there and cried like most girls would. And then I was like, okay, Merlin, you got to try to put your leg down. And so, um, he did, he put his leg down and we walked home three miles. He, he limped, but he put his leg down. So then by the time I got home, he was walking on it. Okay. Couldn't trot. And I thought, okay, maybe all this is just, you know, flesh wounds. This is okay. Well, two days later, this is Tuesday, my farrier comes and I asked her to look over everything to see, you know, um, do I need to go to the vet? Because uh, a vet is not going to be a $50 bill, we all know. And um, I'm by myself, you know, so I just want to make sure because I can, I can be irrational. (laughs) I've called the vet over a snotty nose before. And so I just didn't want to go for something that wasn't that serious. Well, she said, I need to go because his fetlock is swollen. And even though it's just a nick, unless I can put my finger in there, I can't really see how deep it is. Well, I sure as heck am not going to put my finger in there. I can't do that. I mean, the thought of causing him any more pain just breaks my heart. And I've been washing it off and he's been such a sport and letting me put medicine on it and everything. But here we are going to the vet. So I got to see if um, there's some sort of joint injury and I'm, I'm praying on the way that he's going to be just fine. I will update you as soon as the appointment is over. All right, guys, vet appointment done. And I got great news. Merlin is a-okay. Actually, it was a very suspenseful um, vet appointment. We were in there for an hour and a half. We got x-rays done from every angle. And although the x-rays were fine, then the vet said one of the biggest concerns is a joint infection. And so he had a nice gnarly gash that's right on his fetlock and you couldn't see how deep it was. So 
that was a big concern if he had any sort of fluid in there or not. And, um, she had to poke around in there and uh, several times to get the needle to go right into his joint to see if she could pull any fluid. And thankfully there was not any. Woohoo! And then, um, we also had to pump some fluid into his foot right at the fetlock part to see if any fluid would come out of his hole to make sure that we didn't have any other injury that we weren't aware of. And again, nothing. So, um, I was really blessed today. I am so thankful. And um, I also have to say that although you can see in pictures how beautiful Merlin is, of course, you know, I'm biased, (laughs) but he is just the sweetest, gentlest, kindest horse. And he, after he was hurt, he was so nice um, walking all the way home. And whenever I have to spray off his injuries, you know, hydro them. He's, he's always so sweet. He never threatens to kick or do anything. And when I took him to the vet today, it's the same thing. It's like, he almost gets that you're just trying to help him and he's thankful for it. So he was great today and I didn't have any issues with him. And even these kind of things just make me love that guy even more. I want to just say one last thing about all of this is that I'm single and vet appointments are so expensive. I get it. But when we take these animals on and they're our partners, they're more than just our riding partners. They're our friends too. And our um, responsibility is really to take care of them. So those vet appointments are super important. And one of the things that I've learned today was even though you might not realize that a simple injury, just like a Uh, a joint injury can even be fatal. So going and get them checked out is worth it in the long run, especially if um, your animal is as special to you as Merlin is to me. And not all of our stories are going to end on a good note. And I'm, I'm so sorry for those people that gave me a taste today of how horrible that could have been. And, um, I'm just so thankful it turned out the way it did. I can't wait to update you guys on our next adventure because we're going to be back at it here in another week or so. And thank you all for even caring about our story. Over and out. Hello, this is Carrie Barris and I am from the Southeast region. I was on here um, a couple episodes ago talking about my husband, Anthony, who had um, passed away in the past year, and um, I wanted to give you an update because I have some exciting news, and that is that I am now a horse owner, and this is exciting because I've never owned a horse before. I was always the one who, uh, the ride and tie person who didn't have a horse, and in fact, um, I have a sweatshirt that says that because a couple seasons ago I I did 500 miles of ride and tie and at the time it was the most miles anyone had done in a single season and so I got a a sweatshirt from uh, the ride and tie um, board and it says you know something like um, 500 mile season and at the bottom it says you know I don't even own a horse but now I do which is very exciting and it actually started as a joke like all great decisions right um Ride and tie um, uh, friends, R- Rhonda and Dave Venable, um, 
were able to get an off-the-track horse, and they posted it on Facebook. And we all started making jokes about how they were running scared from some of the other teams, and they felt like the only way to get ahead of us was to get a racehorse and all this stuff. And so I made some comment, uh, you know, all right, who's in? We need to get a adopt a horse right off the track. And um, some friends of mine, Lee and Courtney Kruger, um, you know, got in touch with me and said, we know you were kind of kidding, but here's an idea. And so um, their proposal was that we kind of go in on the horse together, um, you know, that the horse would be mine um, and he'd, you know, live with them and um, get to stay at their house um, in Tennessee. Um, and, you know, we'd kind of collaborate on having him together. So um, then I said, well, actually, that does sound like something I could probably pull off. And then um, Lee said to me, well, I have one in mind. So a few weeks later, we went down to meet um, Comets Carino. He was um, bred by Pam Burroughs, and he is um, just over 14 hands, which is perfect for ride and tie. Uh, he's an Arabian, and, um, you know, met him, went for a little ride on him, and I was really impressed by a few things on our first meeting. He was really calm, really um, good about being on the trail by himself, um, and just really responsive, and so, you know, not knowing um, if this was going to, you know, be something that I could make happen, um, we waited a few weeks until we kind of figured everything out, and then uh, we took him home uh, at the beginning of March. And so I went out and rode him um, frequently in the first month he was out there. And then at the beginning of April, we took him to his first ride tie. Um, just a little 20-mile ride. Um, and there was just one other team in that distance that day. So we were able to kind of stay with them on the first loop. And, you know, the thing with ride and tie is that horses have to be okay with not only being on the trail alone, but also being tied to a tree alone. Um, so we had practiced with him a little bit at home. And, you know, when we took him out in the woods at that first race, these are trails he has never been on before. And um, the first loop, um, we took him out with another horse, and he was just so calm and so chill about everything. And, you know, we tied him to a tree multiple times with the other horse, and he just, he was totally comfortable being out there. And so, on the second loop, we went out alone because we wanted to see how that would go. And he was a little more, um, you know, up. And then he was totally fine with it. You know, we tied him in trees, left him alone. And he was just, you know, pretty chill about the whole thing. And so I was very happy. And I told um, everybody later on, I had this, you know, moment where I was riding along the edge of, um, there's a big gorge there. And we were riding along the edge and we we're trotting around the corner. And he's got this great little trot. And he's got his ears forward and, you know, it's beautiful out. And I'm just thinking, I am on my own horse. And so those of you, you know, who have dreamed for a long time of having a horse and finally made it happen, you'll understand. Um, you know, I think I've wanted a horse since I was four years old and I am way older than that now. So to finally be able to say this is my horse, you know, that was um, super exciting. So, um, last weekend we took him to Biltmore and did his first endurance ride. And so, you know, we did the 30 mile LD and he'd never been on trail with that many horses before, as far as I know. And he, you know, he'd been around the environment, um, of ride camp before, cause he'd been into a lot of shows, um, when he was with Pam. And so, 
he was pretty chill in camp, eating, drinking fine. Um, and during the LD, we went out the first loop with another horse. And the first few miles, he, you know, he kind of wanted to chase other horses. And, you know, we got we got into some discussions about that. But he was very calm. And by the end of that loop, he was just very calm. Even when there were other horses around, he was, you know, just very chill and just, okay, we're, you know, I'm doing what you're asking. This is great. Um, made it through the vet check just fine. Um, you know, pulsed down, checked out. Okay. He was definitely looking around at everything, but he was, he was pretty good. Then going out on the second loop, we did it, um, on our own, um, at the beginning. And then we met up with some other horses in the middle. Um, he contended with pigs that were on the side of the trail. Um, domesticated pigs, not wild pigs. Um, and he was definitely looking at me like, what is that? I don't know what to do about that. Um, there was a butterfly that flew in front of his nose that he didn't like, and he pawed at it, which I thought was a very obvious response to a butterfly, but you know, whatever. And then there was a Canadian goose that flapped its wings at him, but every time he didn't spook, he just kind of stopped and looked at it. Um, and that's, I really like that about him too. He's, he's, pretty calm about new stuff. He'll stop and look, but um, once you ask him to keep going, he will. He just, you know, he just wants to make sure it's okay. So that, you know, that second loop, we caught up with some other horses and, you know, he did, then it started pouring rain and he was just very calm and collected most of the time. Um, And, you know, he's six years old, so he's definitely learning and learning his job. And, came into the final vet check and, you know, trotted out great, looked good, everything was great. His heart rate was 48 at the end. We rode really conservatively, um, you know, mostly trotting and walking. And he just, I was so pleased with how well it went. Um, I'm just so happy because, you know, I wanted to get a horse that would enjoy what he's doing and be, you know, have fun out on the trails. And I, I think, you know, I think he likes the change of scenery and he's, you know, a pretty, pretty chill guy and just kind of takes everything in stride. So, um, anyway, just wanted to fill you in on him. His name's Comet's Carino. Um, we've been calling him Comet because, you know, I want him to be fast, um, which is, you know, a big joke and, and ride and tie and endurance, you know, we're not, we're not running super hard or anything like that, but in ride and tie, we definitely get competitive. It's, you know, a small group of people. And so, we all know each other and we all like to, uh, you know, joke around and talk, um, you know, smack amongst each other. But then back in camp, we're all hanging out. So anyway, um, that's my update on finally um, buying a horse, you know, a dream of mine, like I said, since I was a little kid. So very exciting that I finally have my own pony and, um, you know, we'll be out there doing ride and tie and, you um, and out there, hopefully, at a, you know, one or two endurance events a year. So thank you for listening, and I hope you all have great rides the next time you're out on the trail. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrea Maltby. I am a Canadian by birth, but I've been living in Australia for the last 23 years, and... I have a bit of a different perspective of endurance because I've come into this really quite late in life, not just endurance, but horse ownership as well. I got my first horse at age 46 after many, many years of, 
I guess, begging the parents and then trying to cajole my husband into agreeing with the purchase. But, you know, I just said, look, life's too short. I'm going to do it. So went and bought my very first horse. Her name is Thara, T-H-A-R-A-H. She is a uh, Australian stock horse cross Appaloosa, and she, I'm convinced, is the horse where the term mare stare originated from. She is a mare, and she lets everybody know that uh, quite constantly, actually, multiple times a day. But you know what? For a first horse, she has been absolutely brilliant. I have learned so much from her. She always keeps me on my toes, makes me think even when I don't want to think and I just want to enjoy a ride. But you know, that's all part and parcel of it, isn't it? I, um, my husband, after a year of owning Thara, he decided this is the husband who, you know, I really had to convince that horse ownership was a positive thing or, you know, was doable he decided that he wanted his own horse. So the two of us with, um, you know, my mare Thara and his thoroughbred, who we thought was actually an Australian stock horse at first, but that might be another story. Um, You know, we've been very loosely competing in endurance locally, and we have really liked it. We've really gotten a lot out of it. We are not open endurance riders. And you know what? We might never be open endurance riders. And for us, that's okay. We enjoy the riding. We enjoy the camaraderie that we get from the many, many friends that we have made through this sport. We love the camping. We love, you know, the, the, the travel. We have to travel sometimes up to seven hours away from home for a ride, but we're very lucky. We do have a very small local endurance club that we put on three rides a year. And later this year, our local endurance club, um, the Whitsunday Regional Endurance Riders, are actually holding the Queensland State Championship. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, I'm sure that weekend, my husband and I will be helping, not so much riding, but I'm going to look at that as an opportunity to, you know, learn from hopefully the many people who come from all over Queensland to to have a go at our beautiful local tracks. Um, Anyways, my, my mare, Thara, she also taught me something a couple of years ago. She taught me when it's time to maybe retire a horse from endurance. I think I, I didn't push her, but I realized all along that she really wasn't into endurance. She was, she was willing, compliant, you know, she's, she's a horse that will do what you ask, but I knew her heart wasn't in endurance. And, you know, that the, the, the time came when she tied up quite moderately at a, at a ride up north, and she needed 30 liters of fluid pumped through her before she could um, pass, pass urine. Um, yeah, that, that was a hard call because, you know, I was, I'm new, I'm new to the sport. I'm new to the, you know, endurance concept, new to horse ownership. And I did, I I feel bad to this day that I didn't know enough about the signs of tying up 
before that happened. She's fine. But after that ride, I said, no, I'm, I'm just not going to put her through that again. Um, just realizing the possibility of tying up a second time is, you know, after tying up a first time, the, the, the possibility is raised from what I understand. So I didn't want to put her through that. So she and both Clancy are paddock ornaments at the moment. And that wasn't the end of our endurance dreams. We, both of us, actually did get other horses. Um, they are both Arabians. And oh my goodness, I know I'm alive when I'm riding my beautiful Arabian, Long Run Sharif, aka Sushi. But I might save though that story for and, and how he came into our family and how my husband's other horse came into our family for a later episode if I decide to do this again. But I just want to say thanks so much to everybody who puts forth, um, you know, a voice recording for the podcast. I get so much out of them. They they make me think about things. They make me learn. They are entertaining. But most of all, you know, I guess they kind of make me feel everybody goes through the ups and downs when owning a horse. Um, I actually never thought of putting forth a voice recording for the podcast until I was, um, I messaged, um, I, I added a comment to a photo on Instagram of Marvel Endurance and I just let them know, I let their team know, hey, I really, really love watching or sorry, listening to your podcast on the Endurance Horse podcast. And um, she said, well, why don't you just put one in? I'd love to hear about your adventures. And that's kind of the good thing. We're all in this together. We all participate in the same event, the same sport, but you know, our journeys as to how we got there and how we're going and, you know, what our goals for the future are, they're all very different, but we all, you know, connect over the horses, the the friendships and the camping and good times, hopefully. So, um, yeah, if I send in another voice recording, well, I do. If not, thanks so much for listening and... Yeah, keep on riding. I hope everybody has really successful next ride. That's my goal. Thank you very much and talk to you soon, hopefully. Bye. Hello, everyone. Tara Leroy checking in from beautiful southeastern Wisconsin in the Kettle Moraine State Forest. I am actually at the Glacier Trails Endurance Ride that's held Mother's Day weekend in beautiful Palmyra. And though I did come without a horse, I am fortunate that I live just a few miles from the campground. So I've been able to stop in all three days and uh, harass the help. <laughs> visit with some friends, a few fellow podcasters, meet some new people, and just, um, it's still just kind of fun to be part of the weekend, even if I don't have a horse to ride. Um, so, and I was able to nail down a friend of mine who did her very first novice ride this weekend, and she is going to do, uh, share with you real briefly her experience uh, about the day. I was very proud of her for starting and finishing and having a great time. 
and appreciated that she was uh, able to share with you. So I will go ahead and turn it over to my friend Kim and um, hopefully next time I check in it will be with news that I was able to actually compete in the next endurance ride I go to. So in the meantime, happy trails, ride safe, have fun, and we'll talk to you soon. So, and I am here today. It was great to see a variety of newbies out, giving it a try. They had a large turnout for their novice ride, which was amazing and awesome to see. And I am actually here with a friend of mine who kind of spur of the moment decided to give the novice ride a try. I think maybe she's been hearing me talk about doing it for so long. She just finally jumped in. And uh, I didn't even know she was gonna be here until last night. So I was very proud and excited to see her and her horse uh, saddle up today and head out on the trail. So I am gonna turn it over and uh, let you talk to my good friend, Kim. Hi everybody. Um, yeah, as Tara was saying, my name is Kim uh, Jay, and I live near the Southern Kettle Marine. Uh, just moved here, been trail riding, just trail riding with other friends and club members, and uh, for the last 15 years, never thought of doing an endurance ride. Usually I thought it was way above my and my horse's abilities, and uh, just so happens that I stopped by last night. My niece and her friend are starting to get into endurance, and they were doing it. And needless to say, they talked me into a Mother's Day ride. So that was my Mother's Day present, was to ride my beautiful Palomino. Um, didn't know how it was going to turn out. We've never, I've never pushed him to go fast. We've always walked a little bit of gating. He's a gated horse. Um, so I wasn't quite sure how this was going to turn out. And uh, surprisingly, sitting here talking to you uh, out there and uh, can happily say I'm smiling and I stayed on and we survived and he's napping right now. <laughs> um, but it was interesting. Uh, to sign up. It worked out really well. It was easy uh, to sign up. The vet check was very cool to learn. I've never had my horse checked for respiration or uh, any conditioning or anything. I'm waiting to hear from the vets how, how he was at the beginning and to the end of the ride. Um, and it was, I have to say for first timers, don't be afraid, do it. Uh, like I said, I had no plans of doing this, but my horse did very well. I have to say, don't underestimate what your horse can do. Uh, it's usually the human that has the problem. Uh, <laughs> hear that a lot. And my horse did great. By the time we were on our way back, he had it figured out that, you know, when there's rocks and a downhill grade, you walk and you watch your step. And the minute there was a straightaway or anything like that, he would, um, he would take off and uh, just go. And he loved to canter, so I learned how to ride his canter. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We, so I would encourage anybody to give it a shot. Uh, I wish all of us could say that we had a great ride. My niece did not turn out uh, so well. She headed out the first time her horse was riding and didn't turn out so well. But I have to say it was a learning experience for both of them. I'm proud of her for even trying and knowing to t when to stop and turn around and come back. Uh, and I'm encouraging her to give it another shot and I will be there at her side because uh, I plan on doing this again. Uh, but I really appreciate all the encouragement from Tara and other people who are endurance riders. 
So hopefully this encourages a newbie to say, yeah, I can try it because my horse survived, I survived. We had a lot of fun. We learned a lot about each other. When you force a horse, when you force a horse to, um, you know, when you're forced to do something with a horse, you learn to work it out. Um, so it was a lot of fun and uh, I'm sure I'll be sore tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Hi, Daryl from New Zealand. The subject came up of firsts. Strangely enough, I don't really remember much about the actual ride of my first 160k ride. I remember my first 40k really well. I've mentioned it on an earlier podcast. I was living in the UK at the time and was back here in New Zealand on holiday. One morning my mother said, come on, we're going for a ride. And we went off to do a 40k endurance ride. Despite my mother being a bit of a big name in endurance here, I'd not really heard a lot about it. Surprise, surprise, she must talk less than I do, because everyone knows I do endurance. So she put me on her horse, Blue Thunder Shamar, and we headed out. I had no idea about novice rules or anything, and I was on a seasoned horse, so we were just cruising along at a steady pace, and then we caught up to another rider that Mum knew, so we slowed down to ride along with her and talk. Good job we did, because unbeknown to me at the time, I had a minimum of time of three hours as a novice. And after walking for about a kilometre, we crossed the line about three hours and two minutes. If we hadn't slowed down to talk, I would have been well under time and eliminated. We moved back to New Zealand for good about five months later, but it was a couple of years before I did too much more in the way of endurance. My parents had had a truck accident, so my mum was rehabbing back to riding, and I had two young children, so time issues. When I did get back to it, I was again on mum's horses and mostly catch riding. Her North Island champs horse, Zimmy, Zimbabwe, took me through my first 80k ride, 50 miles. I remember that at about 60k's, my knees were aching and my ankles were aching. I spent a lot of time swinging my lower leg and doing ankle circles. Zim was absolutely amazing. He just knew what to do, and he's happiest when you leave him to it. He trotted when he wanted to and canted a bit, then would walk for a bit. He was like a Roman legionnaire, breaking his stride regularly. Actually, that's a lesson to be remembered as I carry on, change gait regularly to ease muscles. We got through that one flying colours. He came through with flying colours anyway. I took a couple of days to recover, I think. My first 100k I've I've talked about on a previous podcast as well. It was on someone else's horse and he decided he didn't like hills. Very memorable ride after virtually carrying a horse up a veritable mountain, big hill anyway, three times and then having a panic attack because his skin tent stayed out, only to have him go through the vet ring with A's and 1's and a 48 heart rate. I think he might have been swinging the lead slightly. For my first 100k, I actually had to look back through my records. The distances get a bit blurred. When I was talking with Chris about it, she reminded me that we often don't succeed at our first attempt, and some years later it's hard to remember what distance you had actually started you end up, you've only done 80, but you actually started at 160, or you've only done, you know, 30, but you started at 160. I think my first 160 kilometre start was the one where I noticed on the morning of pre-ride vetting, seriously, no sign that at the previous day, and then picking out who's before vetting, I noticed a bit of a lesion right on the coronet of his back foot. I poked it and prodded it and ran him out. I asked, and Mike poked it and prodded it as well. We decided that he seemed okay, so we may as well take him on to the vets. The vet poked it and prodded it and hummed and hard. 
but he was sound and non-reactive, so I was given the all clear to start. I'm pretty sure it must have been an abscess or a stone bruise bursting out the top. He was fine at the start, but we vetted out lame at the halfway mark. So no clear indication of, of what we think went wrong. But um, hey, that was my first 160k start. The following year we had another go, and I just remember the final loop. It was really hot, and I've talked about Salty's dodgy gait before. We were starting to get bees for gait, and with one loop to go we had three for membranes and cap refill. So I slowed right down and got off and walked a large part of the final loop. I copped criticism afterwards because I should have kept him moving in the heat to keep the air moving past. I was told that I could have cooked him in the heat. But congratulations, I completed successfully and got my first buckle. I'm very proud of it. I don't wear it. It's framed and sits on a shelf beside my computer where I admire it often, along with the other one I've earned since then. I'm sitting here looking at Salty's record now and gosh, my ride management has changed since then. The first loop of that ride, we travelled at over 16 kilometres per hour. In each loop, we did six loops in the 160 here, each loop we slowed down. Our last loop was just over 8 kilometres per hour, literally half as fast. I've learned since then not to use all the energy being offered in the first loop of 160. In hindsight, I think I was lucky to get through, but I've learned that managing a horse over 160 k's is vastly different than managing the same horse for 80 k's. Even knowing that, sometimes things happen that are completely out of your control. The following year, on the same track, we stopped at a water trough just off the track. We walked to the trough, about 20 feet maybe, and on the way back his hind leg found an old post hole and his whole offside hind dropped into it up to the hock. We got through vetting, just, but I pulled anyway. A misstep like that puts a shock right up through the whole muscle chain. It was a good call to pull out, and there was nothing I could have done to prevent it. On the plus side, I found a hole and exposed it before anyone else fell in. Silver linings and all that, I guess. I think the achievement that has meant the most to me was winning the Senior Distance Rider Trophy. I'd come really close to getting it at least once before, but a couple of years ago I finally did it. I was having coffee with another endurance friend and he posted a photo of us on Facebook. Our sports administrator commented on the post for me to go check the distance rider tables. It was quite exciting. I got it last year as well but I won't even get close this year. This season has been about our whole team and other people have been riding my horses. The season goal was for others to achieve specific things and that we have achieved in part. Next season we'll have some different goals and I'm looking forward to it already. Some more next time. Hi, this is Tennessee Lane. I'm from La Vida, Colorado, and I was just going to do a little recap on the Mount Carmel XP, which happened just recently. Um, I apologize if you can hear heavy equipment and loud roaring trucks behind me, but I'm at a mud race with my fiance, so I'm hiding from the dust in the truck right now and just thought I'd talk to you guys. Um, let's see, this year at Mount Carmel, my goal was very different than it usually is. Um, it's usually training and just physical training for upcoming hundreds, but this year it was mental training. <laughs> um, the start of Tevis was so chaotic this past year with Bluff. He was so dead set on being in front that he was very difficult to control. And so I ended up having to go into the front just to keep him from throwing himself to the ground. Quite literally, he was galloping sideways and just totally blowing out and he was being an idiot. It was kind of embarrassing. Um, so we ended up way up in front and I wanted 
to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, so my next step was to take him to the 20 mule team 100 where I didn't care what place I took. Um, my goal was to just do a mid pack 100 with him. That was in February and he was so upset, um, in the beginning that I didn't let him go out and I was just trying to, trying to do my best by him, um, to go out mid pack and to stay mid pack. But within the first couple miles, he was so upset that he tied up, um, this isn't the first time I've had a horse like this do this, where he's they're very fit, um, but they've just gotten used to getting what they want and going fast because um, they're they're good at it. Uh, but he he'll get so mentally fried that he'll fry himself physically, and so anyway, that's what happened there, and it was an epic fail. But um, anyway, so my goal was to at Mount Carmel. So I, I gave him a month off after tying up at. Um, 20 mil team and I had his blood tested his uh, muscle enzymes were normal so I went ahead and started training him again and then I took him to Mount Carmel where my goal was to go out mid-pack and stay mid-pack for the majority of the ride with you know while beha- behaving and listening and being a good boy and eating and drinking and doing all the things that he's supposed to do and he did so um, it took it took some serious meditation, but he he was able to go out at the back, if not in the middle, with other horses and not have to just run everybody over. And we were able to um, maintain those speeds and ride with other horses without getting upset and and still be a normal good boy. So he's he's coming back around. I'm I'm proud of what happened at at Mount Carmel. We were able to ride mid pack the whole ride and then kind of speed up towards the end and. Um, finished strong and he finished top 10 in all three days. Um, but not first, which was my goal. (laughs) Um, so I think, I think we're making progress there. And, um, aside from him seeing a therapist, I think that's the best I can do. So I'm just going to try to keep going mellow on him this year and, uh, and just kind of have a, have the whole season be a season of not bombing it because he's definitely figured out how to bomb it. (laughs) Um, We'd like to go ahead and mind our manners and, and remember what, what the sport's really about and, and get him back to a rateable horse um, that's safe and, I don't know, a little less stressful at the start. Uh, so that if anybody sees me on the trail on Bluff in the next couple months, it's probably me doing doing the same thing, just kind of trying to keep his head under control. And if he's being a good boy, I'll let him move out some, but if he's not, I'm shoot, I'll get off. <laughs> I guess I'll just do the whole season on foot this year. Um, anyway, it looks like things are going well and I'm glad to say that he's, he's doing his re-education this year and, and it's going smoothly. Every now and then that has to happen. Even if it's a hardcore racehorse, he's just back to square one. Anyways, um, thanks for listening and don't be afraid to Bring your horses back a notch every now and then. (laughs) All right, bye. So that was the last file I was putting together for this episode 18 of the podcast. I guess it's my turn 
to hold true to what I said and catch you up about Grace. I've been conditioning Grace this year. She's a trucaner cross with a paint, maybe a little heavier bodied horse, not, you know, superly made for endurance. My main concern with her was she started to have this strange visible pulse on the medial side of her right front sometimes on her left front. And I would give her rest. I gave her a lot of rest, nothing. She was never off. She was never lame. She was never sore. She was never foot sore. There was no heat anywhere, no tenderness anywhere. So finally, I've I've had had enough of that. I was really researching it. The only case I found anything that looked like that was in people and their their wrist and um, other places, but mainly their wrist and their ankles, they would get this. Um, if you look up ankle visible pulse, you'll probably find some YouTube videos of people for, you know, 10 seconds videoing their, their ankle with this weird pulse. It has been the hardest thing to track down any information on. One thing I came across that kind of fit with Grace um, she always seems to have poor skin tenting, no matter how hydrated she is. And she really loves to drink mud water. Loves it, loves it, loves it. The one connection that I was able to make was that in some people that have an electrolyte imbalance, in people, I understand this is not horses, but I could find not one thing about horses doing this. It is not a bounding digital pulse that she's doing. It's something different. The only thing I could find was about people. And it was if they have an electrolyte imbalance, there's a nerve that can make the blood vessel twitch and make it look like a pulse, but it's similar to an eye twitch that the nerve is is making something else move on its own. So I told Jim, I just can't feel safe continuing to condition this horse where we're up to 10 and a half miles on the weekend. I, I just don't want to go past that if there's something wrong with her. But every time I go over rocks, everything, she's she's just a machine. I can't I can't believe how well she goes over this stuff. So Jim said, well, Chris, I, I think what you're going to find out is they're going to charge you a couple hundred dollars and they're going to tell you it's just your horse. But if that puts your mind at ease... Um, you go ahead and you guys know he's a sweetheart and he wanted me to put my mind at ease. So I, I said, you know what, why don't I just haul her up, take her right to the hospital and click in case that they need further testing or anything. She's right there. And it is a literal equine hospital. So we, uh, got an appointment. I hauled her in there. Long story short, they said exactly what Jim said <laughs> and did exactly and charged me a few hundred dollars to tell me that. I told them all her little uh, things about her skin being oversensitive, about her skin tenting, not being what it, you know, is typical for a hydrated horse. Um, I had her electrolytes checked. Everything was fine in the blood test. They palpated everything on her, um, saw her walking around on cement, saw that she was sound, and they just said, Mm, that's probably just your horse and she probably has loose skin and you know a lot of horses have loose skin so they said to continue on what we're doing until anything else would happen any lameness or anything but um, they palpated her they did a range of motion test so that apparently is just her um, and there's no pattern to it if she gets rest it might be worse and if she's out 
working sometimes and we come back and she's it's gone and I'm wondering if those are the days she's sucking down the mud water and that there's something actually in the mud water that's helping her out uh, but I put her on daily gold for a um, supplement and she seems to be doing better so I did not find what she was missing but I think it's something that's in daily gold because since I've been giving her that it's almost non-existent and as Jim had said, good thing I videotaped this anomaly with my horse because she had been started on this supplement and then I took her in and she, her leg wasn't doing it at all, not at all. And so I showed her the video and, you know, Jim just said, you know, Chris, it's just Murphy's Law. It's just what it is and she'll be fine. So we continue on. We're um, planning on a ride in August with her. I'll keep you updated. I did want to add one more thing to kind of piggyback off of what Tennessee Lane said about mental training for your horse. Grace and Houdini's kind of this way, but Grace really kind of likes to be off on her own. And so I, my son's in a 4-H group and a lot of the people in there have horses. And so after a 4-H meeting, I had said to the leader, let's go for a ride. And then all the kids jumped with their horses into her trailer too and she ended up taking everybody through this big pack of people going for a ride and some of the girls had a lot of questions about endurance and so I was happy to chat with them but then we got to almost back to the trailer to a big straightaway where the trail branches off in different directions and Grace knows the one ways right back to the trailer and all these people kind of hurried along and went a little bit faster and one person in particular that I had been talking with went went far ahead. Well, when Grace saw the trail branched off to the left and she knew it was longer, she wanted to go left and go longer and go away from the other horses. But we did catch up to the group and the girl said, wow, I really left you back there. And I, I said, nope. And it kind of was the same thing like Tennessee saying, you have to think about more than conditioning the muscles. You have to think about, you know, training your horse in every other way as far as you know, tying, like Carrie Barris had said, you know, she has to think about her horse has to be trained to tie out in the woods. Um, our horses have to be mostly trained to tie, you know, whether to a trailer or stay in a corral. There's all those kinds of trainings, but there's mental training too, because Grace has this thing where she's very independent. She's happy to go on her own. Her sister is the opposite, does not want to be alone. And I much prefer a horse like Grace. And I thought, you know, if I keep riding her up with this other group, she is going to start to get that, oh, I want to be with them, oh, I want to be with them. And that's why I chose to hold her back, let them all go. And I explained to this young girl that, you know, I'm trying to preserve this quality in this horse because she she has it and her sister doesn't. And so just because your horse might be that way, I could make Grace not be that way, I guess is what I'm getting at. I could make her start to get attached to that group or want to be in that group. So I'm trying to preserving that with her and keeping. And I'd much rather work with that with Grace than with her sister, Faith, who, uh, no kidding, like I told Tara, if you ride with me with her, do not go cantering off ahead of me because she will have a meltdown and I'll be like, lucky you don't have to call the ambulance. And and um, her sister is just a much more emotional horse and, and harder to work with that way. So I'm, I've got my work cut out with me with her. I probably will be jumping down and walking her 
fairly often when she has those kind of emotional meltdowns. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea for a podcast. What other kind of things do you do with your horse for training? So that's an idea. If you're thinking of sending in and weren't sure what to talk about, I'd love to know what other kind of training you do with your horses. So until next time, happy trails. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com.